mindfulness mode. Usually when uh, people are aged, they will not jump and they will not run fast. Hey, Mindful Tribe, welcome to the show. And here's a shout out to my sponsor, the Cascade Hypnosis Center. If you're having a challenge with weight loss or smoking or moving forward in your business, contact the Cascade Hypnosis Center and they can help you with those challenges. CascadeHypnosisCenter.com. And now, today's episode. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Hey, Mindful Tribe, we're going to be talking today about, about aging and being healthy as you do, about posture. We're going to talk about nutrition. We're going to talk about a happy body. And that is the name of the book written by my guest today. And my guest is just an absolute stellar example of how you can age gracefully and have great posture and have great mindset. So I'm so excited to have Jersey Gregoric here today. Hey, Jersey, are you in mindfulness mode today? Almost always. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that. I know you Sometimes are. I lose it, but... Um... I come back very quickly. Well, let me just share a little bit more about you with uh, Mindful Tribe. You're a world champion weightlifter. You write poetry and some terrific poetry, which is really fascinating that a weightlifter loves poetry. And you're co-author of the book, The Happy Body, which I already mentioned. And it's a science-based, mindful exercise and nutrition program that is outlined in this book and you have so many examples so many case studies of people who you've worked with and uh, you've been doing that for over 30 years with the happy body program and and it's reached more than 30,000 practitioners throughout the world and you've worked with Hollywood stars and all sorts of people that have had really difficult chronic conditions to deal with and you've helped them through that. So I am so excited to talk to you today, Jersey. So what does mindfulness mean to you? Well, for me, it's the singularity of the, of the mind. And the mind is completely focused on only one thing. So when I talk to you, I talk to you, right? So I don't think about anything else and I don't see anything else right even though you know I look at this monitor and I see trees outside but I see really you so you know I uh, I meditated um, I started meditating about 32 years ago and I remember Penny put me on a TM meditation and uh, the first time that I closed my eyes and I felt so good when I closed my eyes. It was amazing. It's like I was natural to close my eyes and feel so good. And um, and I heard the birds singing. And Penny said, do you hear the birds? And I said, yeah, I hear the birds. And then she said, well, the meditation is is this way. When you close your eyes and you meditate, you focus on the mantra and you hear outside world, but you do not pay attention to it. It's like it coming, it's coming in one ear and it's coming the other one and you do not respond, you do not address it. It's you are aware of it, but you are not addressing it. So it's just the same, um, think when I'm talking to you, right? My focus singularity of the brain is focus on you and what we do. But I see the trees outside, right? And I see the monitor and I see the chair and I see all of it, right? But I only see it, but I'm not engaged with all of it. It's there. Jersey, I know you first started weightlifting when you were 13 years old in Poland. What was going on in Poland at that time, and why did you decide to start weightlifting? Well, you know, the, I was one of the uh, shorter boys, and of course the communism was there. So um, communism was tough 
this with the system. And of course, you know, when you are 13, you sense it uh, because of what parents go through during yeah. this time. And they are persecuted and they uh, have problems. So you, um, you feel it. But um, when I was 13, around 13, 14, I was uh, uh, bullied. I mean, badly. You know, I had this uh, um, walk to the school, and that walk to the school was not long, like um, maybe a quarter of a mile only. Yeah. But during this distance, this walk, I would be caught by boys and uh, for and for money, and they would. Uh, hang me upside down, holding my ankles and shake me with, you know, whether there is any money and so on. So it is a constant, it was constant uh, bullying. Was it all the same boys usually that was doing that? Uh, mostly the same, but uh, uh, they, they could be also boys in school for different reasons, right? But it's like when you are weak, you always target. It's just amazing. Um, how we live life and and, and I think that um, those who are really stronger are not getting responsibility for the weaker and that's what I understood finally in life that when you are stronger you are responsible so for the weaker so the weaker feels comfortable around you and that's how we should live life and and not you know, when we actually getting stronger means many ways, like, you know, richer, let's say, and, and how the poorer, you know, feels around you, right? So it yeah. is important to create this uh, possibility for the poor to feel comfortable around, you know, you, right? Because right. you're richer. So and it will be always this kind of uh, classes and, 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 and there will be always somebody taller and shorter, right? Yeah, so that bullying really started a series of events for you in your life. How would you have handled the bullying now if you were, if you could imagine yourself being a, a kid, a 13-year-old kid, and going back knowing what you know now? How would you have handled it? It's really hard. It's, uh, I see kind of uh, no way out of that almost. Because uh, I also saw how uh, what was happening to my daughter, let's say in gymnastics and and in school, and um, it's really almost no way out of it. Uh, the way out of it, because you know, why is it no way out? Because the teachers have the certain way of thinking, the coaches have the same way, the the certain way of thinking that uh, actually supporting bullying. And the parents too, right? So um, we are stuck. We are stuck in the place uh, where um, we could be the parents of a child that bullying somebody, and we like it. So we are stuck there, and then dealing actually with uh, with parents and teachers and, and kids that actually are engaged in bullying is really really hard. And these are the extreme hard choices, and and sometimes the society is not ready for it. You know, we address a coach uh, in gymnastics, and uh, the owner didn't respond the right way. You know, didn't uh, do anything about that. And so, uh, our actually uh, bringing awareness to the problem cost our daughter actually uh, more bullying and, and more isolation. So I, I know I see that there is a lot of need uh, in the world is for uh, letting the stronger know that uh, we suffer. That, so that they could actually feel it, right? So that's yes. why I write poetry. So they, they could uh, feel that something is off. And it's really hard to get to, to them, to let them know, or, or, or so they feel it, right? That, and, and then uh, how to come out on your own, you know, what is that thing that you can do? And I think that um, the only way to come out of it is to make yourself stronger 
in some ways you educate yourself you know i focus on education i focus on uh sport and, and you have to go somewhere where you can uh, engage in making yourself better uh stronger uh, more knowledgeable and that will start really helping you with your self-esteem and, and coming out of the situation that uh, the stronger is not strong enough to bully you. But it's a sad story that we have to actually do that, right? Yes. That, that, yes. that, that it's, um, we shouldn't be in these positions then uh, to fight for uh, ourselves in a way that we have to get stronger everywhere. Right, right. I first uh, got to know you through Tim Ferriss, and he used to talk about you as Victor because he didn't say who you were at first. You were Victor, and then he interviewed you. When did you f first start helping Tim Ferriss? Uh, about five years ago, uh, he came uh, with uh, lots of pains and was unable to restore his health because he challenged himself uh, to the point that recovery uh, was not enough after this extremely heavy lifts that he was doing oh. and he uh, ended up with um, hip pains and uh, ankles and shoulders so uh, and then he couldn't come out of that so he came and asked me for help it took me about a year and a half uh, with micro-progressive system to help him to uh, to come to the body that wouldn't have pains anymore, would be flexible, strong, and could uh, practice uh, full range of motion, the movements like snatch and, you know, all the Olympic weightlifting moves that require so much mobility and flexibility and strength. And in about two years, he was able to do that. Um, Tim was a very interesting uh, client because he uh, was always engaged and he was always mindful, right? Yeah, he and was he's mindful. all about the numbers too, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, and Dad. he always had the, uh, his journal and when I said something, he would write it down, you know, and and kept writing this. He, he was not the one that would not really, uh, would pass something uh wise you know <laughs> would always write that and and it was very uh, helpful because he would write all the numbers and and i uh i am a scientist you know in weightlifting so and numbers are uh, extremely important because i can create micro progressive system uh, because of numbers and transparency of what i do so numbers are important because i can easily uh, could do too much a load or not enough. So I could create too much progress, too fast progress that would lead to injuries and problems, right? And uh, I could also create kind of uh, entertainment and and no progress at all, right? So because yes. not enough uh, load, uh, that's what the fitness kind of is today. It's just not enough just having good time but there is no uh improvement there is no progress over time right so um it, the numbers are helpful then and the numbers make us uh mindful about what we do and how to create those uh, uh improvements yeah and you've you've mentioned micro progression a couple of times is that a term you came up with to describe how you can just move forward in small increments? Was it your term? No, it was uh, Tim, actually, uh, Tim's uh, term. And uh, when I coached him for this uh, a year and a half, two years almost, you know, he came with the understanding what I was doing to him and how I was coaching him. And he said, you know, the, the major thing that is happening here is microprogression. You know, you coach me uh, with uh, small increments that happen on a weekly basis, and all of it contributes eventually to so much progress at, after two years that I am healthy, I don't have pain, I'm strong, and I'm, I'm flexible, 
and it happened, right? It happened this after two years, but I see that it wouldn't happen, that, you know, I was in this macro-progressive system uh, in, in my life, and I didn't understand the micro-progression that actually, you know, uh, after two years or three years, you can deliver amazing results that you will never uh, deliver those results in these conditions. Right. Well, you've worked with so many different people. And I think that's from from what I know about you. That's the whole thing is if people want to achieve something in four months or six months or whatever, you just hit them with a dose of reality that really says maybe it's going to take you three or four years to get to where you want to go. But you have to keep moving forward. Isn't that right? Right. It's the uh, I think that. Uh, letting people know um, how much time something needs to actually correct itself to uh, uh, to be better is important. It's like uh, uh, gaining the muscle. You know, a lot of men that come here or women, they have to gain 30 pounds of muscle sometimes. It cannot be done in, in three months or five months. So I present scientifically uh, the problem and let everyone knows that it will take time and why and then you know why you know uh, we cannot gain more than a pound of muscle a month let's say mm -hmm. and then uh and then if that is true it will take us you know let's say two three years to make it happen but we will make it happen right the two years will pass and and then in two years you will be doing the same thing and it maybe it will get worse or you will you know do uh, something that has this micro progressive system and actually in two years you will get better right, right. Mm -hmm. so uh, the certain wisdom has to be addressed how we talk to people and when people are faced with hard choices most people actually accept it, agree to it, and start pursuing it. Well, you know, you are so amazing when it comes to posture. I mean, seeing your posture is incredible. And you've got a video on, on YouTube, yeah, a video that I was watching that, that shows you, your posture, and talking about all the whole, the, the different aspects of posture and aging. How important is posture uh, in order to age gracefully? Well, posture uh, is important because posture can create inflammation. Posture can create uh, pressure. Posture can create the bones that they are too close to each other. So you can imagine that the spine has about 32 vertebrae and it moves, right? It moves like a whip back and forth. But if it moves only one direction, right? And that cannot go the other direction, right? Like people slouch and cannot stay that. And uh, we call it that the spine is bridged and look that way and and then person is forward so when when uh when vertebrae bend toward that direction there is gap on on one side that the bend is closer uh, than on the other side and that gap uh, when it's closer and closer, can create the pressure and the pressure can create inflammation inflammation can lead to arthritis and that can lead to losing, you know, joints and pain. So um, it is important that uh, the body, the, all the joints are free. It means all the bones are separate in a natural way from each other. If they are, the pressure is not set and we can uh, age and will never develop inflammation that can come from the posture. And so inflammation is also caused by sugar and, and uh, processed foods. Do you believe that? Oh, yeah, of course. You know, there are foods that inflammatory and then the foods that help actually, you know, to release inflammation, right? So the vegetables, right? Yes. Anti-inflammatory, of course, right? And all processed food would be inflammatory. So uh, yeah. it's just simply sad 
uh, from that perspective. So I, um, I eat uh, produce or I make uh, food that is uh, processed that I make, right? So, right. so uh, if I make it that uh, this food uh, can be, you know, the least inflammatory, right? So. Well, your book is absolutely terrific. And, uh, you know, speaking of food, your book, uh, oh, and I'll mention again, called The Happy Body, and you can go to thehappybody.com and check out everything about Jersey. But your book not only has so much information about how to achieve a healthy body, but you included recipes in there, recipes like lasagna without pasta and pizza without crust and uh, all kinds of healthy foods. You've got pictures in there and the foods are just amazing. And that's the way I like to cook. My wife and I like to, you know, use cauliflower rather than pizza crust and things like that. And and you obviously do too, based on the, the recipes that you've included in your book. Do you cook yourself? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. we I cook and, and my wife uh, cooks. So we are great cooks. So we love to cook. Uh, and sometimes we, of course, we love to go to restaurants as well. <laughs> but, you know, um, uh, probably our food is the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, you know, for entertainment, sometimes it's really nice to go to a restaurant. Um, today, it's really difficult, right? But uh, yeah. hopefully uh, the whole um, system will come back normal and then we will be able to spend more time in the restaurants and and um and also you know in the kitchen in the kitchen we spend mostly a monday through friday and friday maybe saturday we also have a lot of guests uh we invite people and uh, we cook together we have this idea of cooking like pierogies and making pierogies uh with our friends right. so um when uh, our friends come in and then we go to the kitchen and I make dough and Anila makes the inside and then uh, the dough, uh, I make it flat and then cut the circles uh, in it. And then people will take the piece of it and put some uh, stuffing and, and close it, right? And then uh, shape it the right way as the pierogi is <laughs> yeah and everybody is engaged so um and during this time we have just uh, uh wandering vodka and sip on it and uh, have a great conversation and it can be about an hour before really uh we actually finish pierogies and then uh and then, then we boil them and then in about 10 minutes we go to the table and and keep our conversation so the conversation is in the kitchen, starts in the kitchen, and lasts for about at least one hour. And it's really fun. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. I, I love cooking too. And I know that you have a beautiful home that you, you mentioned you invite a lot of guests to your home, but I, I noticed in, in the interview with Tim Ferriss, he was talking about your amazing home. How have you created a home that's perfect for you? What's it like? Well, you know, when we came to Woodside, you know, we lived in Santa Monica. And then yeah. um, about 16 years ago, before my daughter was born, we came to Woodside. Uh, and when we came to Woodside, we were looking for a home. And uh, we, that was 2004. And the houses were already um, going off the market very fast with 28 offers. It was impossible to buy the house. So there was a, um, this house that we uh, put the offer on and there was no way to get the house. So we kept looking and we came to this house and it was very interesting because the house was three weeks already on the market and nobody wanted to buy it. But it was perfect house for us. You know, it has these small rooms. It has a lot of trees like hundred trees or more, you know, like uh, seven big oaks and wow, you know, it was our house. So, well, and also it was like, um, 
uh, for less money than actually was offered uh, three weeks ago. So um, then, you know, we put the offer and we got the house. And when we got the house, um, when we set up the coaching in the house, a lot of real estate agents came and then they sat and they look around and they, they, everyone said the same thing. Why we didn't buy the house? Why didn't buy this house? Why we didn't buy this house? <laughs> so the house was waiting for us. You know, I cannot say differently. There was this um, appraisal uh, for insurance came. I was wandering around and then came to me and he said, you know, I have to tell you something. And I said, what is it? And he said, well, I appraised thousands of houses. But this house is something I cannot really uh, pinpoint. There is a certain ambience, so good ambience that feels so good just to be here. I don't understand that. But I wanted uh, you to, ta to know that that something is good about this house. So Naval Ravikan wants the house and Tim Ferriss wanted to buy the house. He said, when you move, we want that house. <laughs> <laughs> so we, it went from the house that not was not wanted at all <laughs> to the house that everybody wants. <laughs> what a great story. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, you've helped so many people and, uh, you know, you've also helped them through your um, poetry. So tell us the story about your poetry. I know that you wanted to get a degree and you were turned down and you were turned down and then finally you did. But tell us the story of, of getting a degree in poetry. Well, it's uh, the poetry began in Sweden. So when I... Uh, uh, when I immigrated uh, from Poland in 84, I went to Sweden in 85. And then in Sweden, there were a lot of people that uh, suffered uh, because of the um, being away from uh, families and the country. And, and it was really uh, very uh, dark times for uh, Polish people. And I... Uh, I was okay with uh, everything. My wife was still in Poland and, and I started meeting people and, and by being, I was helping people and it just happened. Whoever I talk felt better. <laughs> so it was just happening that way. And there was this uh, psychologist from Warsaw, Van der Sey, and then uh, she had also uh, difficulties and I helped her as well. And she said, you know what? I can open a clinic in uh, Sweden and you do what you do because I don't understand what you do, but what you do helps people. And I will learn what you do. And uh, I, I told her, well, I, I'm not staying in Sweden. I am going to US. So she said, if you uh, go, then you have to write. I said, why I would write? And she said, well, because you have something to say and you are responsible for passing it on. And I took it seriously. I went home and took a page and whatever I wrote became a poem. <laughs> and I've never written anything in my life. I was always a scientist. Right. So here it is. I am, you know, like 30 years old and, and writing on a page and becomes the poem. I've never read a poem, right? And then here it is. A poem appears. So um, poetry, uh, I communicated with the, with the world. I started communicating with poems. And um, I eventually went to US and I started, uh, I kept writing poems. And I had about a hundred of them already. So I really loved poetry so much that I decided to apply to Vermont College for MFA in creative writing. And uh, I sent my poems, but they were rejected. So I called uh, the college and then I talked to somebody there and, and I told her that I need to talk to somebody that rejected my poetry. And she said, that is impossible to, to do. I said, yeah, yeah, I understand. I, I don't have a problem with that, but I want to learn what is you know, uh, why my poetry is rejected. So I will work on it for a year 
and then I will reapply next year. And she uh, felt that it was genuine. And she said, okay, let me know what I can do. The next uh, day, Roger Wingard, the, the, the dean, the, the, the head of the department called me. It was amazing. That so is I'm, amazing. Calling, I'm talking to, <laughs> to the, you know, the, the most important person at the college. And he's, he was talking to me about 10 minutes and about my poetry, why my poetry is, uh, is there emotionally, but the craft is not ready for the college. And what could I do? And uh, he told me to ask some people uh, uh, to help me. And uh, I reached for these people, uh, David St. John at USC, and then um, Ralph Angel, he um, worked at, in Redland University. And uh, I started really getting uh, help with my poems and, and, uh, and the writing. And then I found, you know, uh, Peter Levitt that worked with individual with people and groups. And I joined Beyond Baroque in Venice. I started really working, helping myself. After a year, I reapplied and I got myself into the program. So it was, uh, it was amazing. Uh, I was always uh, kind of how to, uh, in my life, how to uh, find a solution for the problem and get the hard choices to work on that instead of complaining that something is, you know, wrong with it or blaming others people, other people for <laughs> my uh, weaknesses. So. Right. Jersey, what's the name of one of your collections of poetry? I think there's one, The Happy Body, and then a different subtitle. Isn't that right? So there is a, um, The Food for Your Soul. So that's the collection of the, the poetry that I made. Okay. I, I want to, and also there is a collection, The Sacred and Scared, that is about poetry in, uh, uh, about Poland and how I grew up in Poland. But Food for Your Soul is interesting poetry because that's, that's the poetry that eventually I wrote um, in response to my clients to help them. And right. I, I tried to write this uh, poetry in 90s and I was not able to do that. And then uh, because I'm also a poet, poet so uh, I, they have to be poems. So. After 2009, when I uh, published the book and I started working with people, the plan, the strategy was already there. The whole book, The Happy Body, was created. So I thought, well, people will take the book and they will be able to deliver this goodness, you know, this happy body for themselves, independently from me. But something else happened that, pe that I started seeing that people uh, could... Uh, they knew what to do and still were unable to make it happen. That the certain inner strength was needed to develop in this case. And I started seeing suffering uh, in people uh, during the time of watching themselves doing something wrong and not be able to correct that. And one by one, I saw these different situations and and I thought, when people, if people suffer, then they, uh, they deserve poetry. Mm -hmm. The poetry deserves them as well, right? There is a link here. And I started writing these poems. It took about four years. And, and then I eventually published the book. But the book was, uh, the whole uh, uh, poetry book was, really in response to the suffering of people during the, uh, the process of helping themselves to uh, improve their lives. Yeah, it's, it's a terrific book, and I love how it's related to health and fitness and, and uh, everything. And like I said, the or like you said, the book is called The Food for Your Soul. That's the book I was thinking of. And uh, switching back to weightlifting, uh, tell us some stats on what you can press or squat, just to kind of let our listeners know a little bit about where you stand. Well, you know, the uh, weightlifting is... Um, there are two events that we compete. 
snatch and clean and jerk. Yes. And uh, so the when I was in twenties, I was able to snatch twice the my body weight, and wow. uh, I'm sixty six today. So today is your birthday. Passed. Happy <laughs> birthday, today. Jersey! <laughs> Happy, thank you. Wow. <laughs> That Not is quite an honor for me to talk to you on your birthday. That's fantastic. Right. So uh, six to six, right? And then um, I uh, I pointed to the uh, in the book that we start aging when we are thirty five, mm-hmm. and uh, thirty five is the time when we actually start deteriorating our powers, and all athletes uh, uh, have divided by those that compete before 35 and after 35. Before 35, it's open division and they compete in uh, in the area between 18 and 35. And there is also divisions before, uh, below 18, uh, 16, 18, and, and uh, 14, 16 boys, 12 and 14, and the juniors. And um, so there is uh, aging relating to age related to actually uh, the competitions after 35 athletes no matter what they do they start deterioration so it happens for swimmers and runners and weightlifters and bodybuilders everyone gets worse so um i noticed that this getting worse is the micro progressive system <laughs> that we actually yeah. slowly <laughs> getting worse and I, uh, I, you know, when when we were creating the the Happy Body Book, we didn't have a standard for you know what a person supposed to be when the person is fifty years old or sixty or seventy and eighty. And I competed in uh, two thousand two in Melbourne, and uh, I saw this eighty year old uh, uh, weightlifter competing, and he was able to lift that weight equaled his body weight. And, you know, when I saw that and I was transcended to Poland when I was, you know, 15 and and we were, you know, most of us were unable to do that. You know, only a few of us could do really such a lift, but he was 88 years old and doing that. So that really uh, helped me to uh, set up the standard for the happy body strength, and trans- I transcended all those numbers to uh, the numbers of the static moves, and then um, set up the standard that people should be able to be as strong as 80 year old and a champion. And when you are 30 and 40 and 50, it should be easy for you to really get those numbers, and also it meant amazing thing because also it means that you are having the body that is able to lift itself right so that body can do anything uh, in life uh, whatever you demand is you can ski you can surf you can do you know anything and you are eight year old right and you are extremely flexible you are strong and nothing there is that you cannot do because in truth you know, people in twenties cannot do that if they are not really trained. So I set up this amazing uh, system that has very high quality of living. Only you know how to get there, right? So of course, you know something that is great uh, is never given. So well, <laughs> we have to work toward that. But when people get the happy body book are able actually to create create for themselves independently from any, anybody else and anything else. That that body, that amazing body that is capable to be, you know, to do awesome things, almost anything, when the actually the body is 80 or 90 years old. Well, your book is incredible because it really lays out exactly what to do so that you can have a healthy body and you can move successfully into uh, older ages. And one of the things you include are the six primary qualities of youthfulness. Can you share some of that with us? Right. So this is just, uh, uh, you know, when I start coaching people in 
uh, in US, I noticed that uh, when I follow certain uh, standards, certain uh, qualities, then everything else is really healed. And if people have pains or people have medications, if people uh, have weaknesses, all of it is healed. So what are these qualities, right, to, <laughs> to follow? And one is flexibility. So I uh, needed to set up flexibility that is really needed, but no more than is needed. Because I coach a lot of yoga teachers that would push flexibility to this extreme. And actually, they had pains came to me to for help. So I set up the micro-progressive system for them and limitation and I would tell them to stop because when they started opening their hips too much, they created this pressure that I was talking about bone to bone. And there is a time also where we start, start stretching the, the ligaments and that is very painful. So I wanted to create flexibility that is natural, that is uh, normal for us, and uh, possible to achieve it no matter of your age. And I've never seen anybody that wouldn't be able to achieve this flexibility of squatting over nine months old, right? I have right. the same one and I, I coach everyone and everyone almost get that you know, uh, within about two years, whether you're 60 years old or 50 or 70 years old, it doesn't matter. So flexibility, crucial. Now, strength is another one, because strength is really, really important here because the, you, we need a lot of, we need enough muscle. We, uh, you have to create a system that doesn't lose the muscle, because when, when we actually age, we uh, lose that muscle size. And when we lose the muscle size, it's very interesting. Think about the muscle and sugar, because sugar travels in, in the body and is accepted by the muscle. And when we lose the muscle, it could be, because I talked to Michael Snyder here, the, the one of the professor of genomics here in Stanford, and I was talking to him about diabetics and, you know, and the sugar. And then he, um, he really uh, never heard that side of the story about the muscle and the sugar. And he said, there is something in it. Let me think about this, right? Because, you know, when we lose the muscle, we could have the same sugar floating in our body system. But because we lose the muscle, then there is too much sugar. And that creates a problem. So um, the strength, the size of the muscle, another thing that, uh, is important for us to deal with the life, to you know, to do what we really love to do. And then uh, there is another one, the leanness, because we can be, uh, we can be 110 pounds. We can be skinny, right? And we think that we could live long, and but we don't have the quality of life. Why we don't have a quality of life? Because we don't have enough muscle. We have too much fat. So we can be really 110 pounds and uh, also obese at the same time. So uh, since obesity is, is uh, body fat percentage, we can be very skinny and also obese at the same time, which is really crazy, right? It is crazy. And, yeah, and it's, a, it's a crazy concept. Crazy concept. That's why people started talking about skinny fat. And I didn't understand, you know, 20 years ago, what was skinny fat. And then and when we started really measuring the body fat, you know, I had a lot of women coming from Beverly Hills that were 100 pounds and they were obese at the mm. same time and usually weak. So uh, we started really uh, working on leanness as a quality. It means that you have to have certain amount of muscle and certain amount of fat. And sometimes it is that you have to, you have to gain 20 pounds of fat uh, or muscle and lose 20 pounds of fat within the same the body weight by becoming stronger. So right. that was uh, uh, leanness as a very important quality that we uh, need to earn in life for ourselves. Then there was speed. So speed was really something that uh, it is uh, important because it's whole nervous system. And uh, if we keep the speed in life, 
then uh, our aging is not happening really because um, the speed is something that makes the body uh, strong and makes the body also capable. Now, we, the nervous system here is the one responsible for the uh, things happen. So you can imagine that somebody is 200 pounds and can lift 200 pounds. But another one is, is 200 pounds, the same one, but can lift 600 pounds. So why is it so? Because of the nervous system. So training the nervous system and speed is crucial, crucial as well. It could lead to actually uh, dealing with dementia, dealing with uh, losing uh, uh, mobility and losing coordination. The speed, speed is, is, is a really great quality to have. Right. And, and, and I see that uh, people, when they're getting older or, no, I, I'm semi-saying is, I'm old, but not aged. Yeah. <laughs> so when they age, they are scared to jump. Yes. And usually when uh, people are aged, they will not jump and they will not run fast. This is the first kind of a sign that, you know, the speed is lost and the nervous system is slow. And when people become slow, you can see that they uh, walk kind of cautiously. Yes. And they, that's how you can recognize that the body is aged, right? right. They walk cautiously, they uh, speak slowly, and then everything's slower. So that nervous system, in, uh, keeping that nervous system fast is the quality that I see is extremely important. Right. Yeah. And then there is, a, of course, the body, the, the posture, the, the, mm -hmm. the posture that should be, you know, uh, the, all the joints should be free and all the joints should be in the perfect alignment between when the person stands, the, you, should, you can draw the line between the ear, the shoulder, the hips, and the ankle, and should be straight line. If that right. is off, it means you need to work to to get that back, right? Right. So that these are the um, these are the old qualities, right? Mm -hmm. That um, are really extremely needed in life. That um, that are included in the happy body, in the happy body exercise system. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, the diet system as well. That book is really terrific, and uh, yeah, Mindful Tribe. I encourage you to go to the website. The Happy Body and uh, check it out, the thehappybody.com, but definitely check out the book too. And uh, as we move on in the interview, Jersey, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just just uh, 30 second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness example in your life? Well, I think that um, I was, uh, I knew this priest in Poland, Jerzy Popiłuszko, who, who is uh, the priest that came to help us to um, with our emotions and our dealing with the communism and strike. Right. And uh, he was the the one that I was exposed. He was the one of, of unconditional uh, love human being. And the first time that I was exposed to a person like that, uh, Jersey had this constant mindfulness, how he lived life. Uh, he loved people and he loved uh, goodness. Mm. And this was always there. He was always uh, a graceful, beautiful, and um, addressed everyone in the room. It was always for everyone. It was constant. It was constant um, mindfulness and goodness and awareness and existing for another human being. Amazing. Wow. wow. Eventually, he was hated by communism so badly. They captured him in 84 and tortured him and murdered him. So, and wow. in 2000, uh, I think 18, there was this uh, medal created for to award people that fought for the same causes as Jersey did. And um, the, the three words that he was standing for was truth, love, and forgiveness. And I see that these, these words are also 
uh, important day when we actually uh, face something, reality, and then also we need to fall in love with something that actually we do, that is a hard choice, and forgive ourselves when actually we don't follow, so we can actually close the circle and next day we can restart fresh. And you know, when we don't feel about ourselves, you know. Right. And and what was his name again? Jerzy Popiewuszko. So he was a uh, uh, he was uh, he was recognized by the Catholic Church as a saint uh, in I think 2011. Uh -huh. 2018, the the medal was created, and I went to Poland to receive that medal. It was a very emotional uh, time uh, to go back to Poland. So the church uh, uh, is uh, in Jolibusz in Warsaw, and a museum is created uh, for Jersey. And then um, it's, it's a very emotional uh, place. Wow. I wrote yeah. a poem about Jersey when I was here. Oh, did you? Wow. Yeah, that is that is a very emotional story. How has mindfulness affected your emotions? Speaking of emotions, Jersey. Well, it, it, it helps me. It, it's, it's the, I'm, it helps me to stay with the poem. So when I write a poem, I meditate. Mm. And every time that I uh, work with a poem, I'm in a mindful state. I had this... Uh, uh, this class that I was teaching in San Francisco, and this woman uh, was uh, telling me that she doesn't have 30 minutes to uh, for the exercise to exercise a day because she has two jobs, and and she told me you know what she does. And I was driving home. I was just thinking, how that could be that somebody doesn't have 30 minutes. To, uh, to do on a daily basis to create this micro-progressive system to actually get better in life, right? right? Which is really wise to do. So I came home and went to meditation room and spent there four hours. And I wrote a poem. And uh, it's four hours of mindfulness, right? Just write with the poem. And went back to San Francisco, read the poem, and the poem was very uh, moving to everyone, but uh, that nurse, that woman that uh, spoke the last, she said, you know, this poem uh, moved me so much and also uh, sent me to my room, to my home, and sent me to the time when my children asked me about things. And, and I usually say, I cannot, I cannot, I cannot. And she said, I will never tell my child that I cannot something do. I will, I, will, uh, I will find a way, different way of saying it, if actually uh, it has, something has to be done differently. So I can read you the poem if you want. I would love it if you would read the poem. And maybe we'll come back to that in a minute because I want to ask you two or three other questions. Right. Uh, one is about breathing. And I know that I've asked you to keep it to 30 seconds. So if you can just keep it short. But uh, tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. So I created singularity of the brain within one repetition. And there are six things that happen with one repetition the inhale and then holding the breath yeah so first inhale flexing the certain body parts and then lifting then there is stretch there is return and then there is exhale all these six things repeat and that six things create the mantra and that singularity and mindfulness that happens during this time creates really 30 minutes of exercise system that actually people when they exercise that way they also feel like they meditate so they they completely mindful during the whole 30 minutes when they can do that it's a perfect stress release because they are 
meditating for 30 minutes. Sometimes people, after the exercise system, they exercise for 30 minutes, but at the same time, they meditated because they had really mindful uh, brain at that time. And they come out of the exercise system and they are very calm and also very kind and very good. So when they come home, actually from one room to another, they are a lot of better than they went into the, you know, uh, into the exercise system. They come and they are uh, graceful and they are kind and they are good and they are pleasant as well. It's amazing. <laughs> Your book is terrific, The Happy Body. Are there any other books that you would recommend that are kind of related to mindfulness? I really like the, the book of Bob Rob and it is Strength in Stillness. So it's about transcendental meditation. It's, a, it's a really the book that I really enjoy because it was taking me on a journey. Uh, what was happening to me is almost like a poem that, um, and the words are so beautifully uh, written that it feels soothing. It's almost like food for yourself. Right. <laughs> and, and speaking of poems, would you read that poem for us now? And uh, we'll kind of end the interview with your poem. That would be great. All right. Who cannot? Every night when I wake up, I walk to the kitchen. And every morning there is still food on my face. How can I stop myself? His coach fought for a moment and then told him, think about all those people who stopped themselves from owning and killing and having fun because they finally saw how others suffered. Without them, we would still have slaves, the Holocaust and the world just for men. Becoming a man like that is your only chance because there is no one else to force you. Do you expect too much from me? Do you really believe I can be a man like that? Who cannot? Wow, that is powerful. Thank you for sharing that poem with us, Jersey, and thank you for being on the show. Thank you for inviting me. I really uh, enjoy talking to you. Thank you. Right? Yeah, yeah. Mindfulness. Yeah, I think it is like boom, and uh, after one hour, we are here. It's amazing. It is when amazing. We are mindful. The time flies. Yeah, it is amazing. I've absolutely loved every minute of it. Do you have any final words of advice for anybody listening, any of our Mindful Tribe listeners who are kind of struggling with getting older, struggling with being healthy? Do you have any words of advice for them? I think that uh, we need to you know, focus on goodness, the goodness in every way, and, and fight for it. The goodness is, uh, you know, the goodness is getting more flexible or stronger or more mindful. The goodness is be kind in the, in the world. The goodness is to, you know, love people as they are and, you know, uh, give them the signs of uh, uh, what to do uh, to get better, right, to come out of it. Goodness is to, you know, to choose hard choices versus easy choices in life to create micro-progressive system. So goodness is, uh, is an amazing thing because goodness also creates the self-control, self-discipline, delay gratification, and uh, is a sign of virtues. And I think the Stoics here were right that virtues are more important than almost anything that we do in life, that we should, you know, uh, live the life of, uh, creating the virtuous life. Those are great words of advice. Thank you, Jersey. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you, Bruce. Yeah, bye now. 
Thanks for listening today, Mindful Tribe, and I hope you liked the episode with Jersey as much as I did. And hey, here's a shout out once more to the Cascade Hypnosis Center. Thank you for being our sponsor, Cascade. And Erica Flint is the the brains behind this. And you know, maybe you're having some challenges with weight loss or or moving forward in your business. Well, they can truly help you. Contact them at CascadeHypnosisCenter.com. Maybe you want to use hypnotherapy in your coaching or use hypnosis and they can teach you how to do this. And I know that it's a really great course because that's something that I'm doing right now. I'm studying with Erica Flint and it is an incredibly intense and valuable course and I'm just so excited about moving forward and using these skills in my coaching. So check it out, CascadeHypnosisCenter.com. Hey, take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.